HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 it's Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. It's May 27th, 2014. We've got quite a show tonight. We've got a call-in from Allagash in Belgium. He's in Belgium uh, talking about uh, cool ships and lambics. Napa beer from Spain's in. And we'll uh, talk with Nico Kremitis about the Crap Beer New York's app. Uh, so here we are, uh, Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're talking to our friends BR and the Shelton Brothers and... Uh, and Nico Kremitis uh, about beers and things. We're waiting for uh, Jason Perkins to come online uh, from Allagash Brewing. So here we are. It's been uh, quite a week. A lot of things happened in New York City. Memorial Day weekend, uh, we took the Jimmy's Number 43 rig out to uh, Single Cut Brewery in Queens. We were out at a new, the new brewery Gun Hill in, uh, in Bronx. And uh, Nico, I know you're part of the Craft Beer uh, New York app now. You're, you're the, the editor or the writer. Yeah, it's basically the same position, so I, I do all the writing on the app. Uh, it's called Craft Beer New York. Uh, it's basically just uh, an all-encompassing beer guide for the beer nerd in New York City. So you're covering bars and breweries? Yeah, bars, breweries, uh, shops. We also have a news section, so I try to update that uh, every two weeks or so. Uh, just anything kind of going around the scene uh, in New York. So I know that Josh Bernstein wrote the original app. Now, what's, what's the potential for it? I mean, there's Untapped, there's, there, there's Brew York, New York. There's a lot of places to learn about you know, craft beer in New York. Why, why an app? Uh, I feel like it kind of gives each uh, bar, brewery, or restaurant a really nice uh, in-depth profile. So I try to write you know, at least 250 words on each piece. Uh, we also give a link to the beer menus, to the Twitter, so you can kind of go to the app to get everywhere else uh, on each uh, specific place. Great. What are some of the new uh, beer bars that that you've covered? Uh, Recently, I wrote up on Covenhoven, which is in Crown Heights. It's kind of like a shop in the the realm of beer craft. So it's got 16 taps, uh, a 
a bunch of bottles and cans and a really nice grassy backyard that I love to hang out in. And uh, also Terrara at the Porch, which, uh, you know, from the guys of the wine bar, Terrara. And uh, it's it's the only option for beer on the High Line, actually. And uh, it's got six drafts pouring all New York all the time. That's great. Well, our, our call-in's on right now, so we're going to jump to him. So Jake and Pers- Perkins, the, the brewer at Allagash in Maine. Jason, how, how are you, buddy? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. You know, we've got great. Uh, how are you? B.R. Royer from Shelton Brothers, who, who's been, uh, you, you were at the Night of the Great Thirst in Belgium, uh, and she's been there before, too. So just tell us a little bit about the experience of Night of the Great Thirst and uh, what, why you wanted to talk to us about it, because I know you guys are doing great things with your cool ships and, uh, you know, spontaneously fermented beers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the experience is great. This was our uh, third time pouring at that event. Um I think it might be the fifth year they had done it, if I, if I, my my memory is correct. Um, but you know, for for those who aren't familiar with it, it's a uh, lambic only uh, festival um, just outside of Brussels. Very very communal based kind of festival where uh, you know you buy bottles. You don't you don't buy you don't get little sample glasses. You actually buy a bottle, a big or a small bottle, and um, share it with your friends or random people at the tables near you so a uh, real unique feel to it and nothing but spontaneously fermented beers there and um we were approached by the organizer of it east Peniels, um you know several years ago and, and he said hey would you like to pour pour beer at this event you know we we like what you guys are doing we like the way you're making these beers and we think it would be fun to have a you know a non-belgian brewer here and of course we said yes you know, another opportunity to go hang out in Belgium. Why not? So uh, uh, we said, yeah, and this, like I said, it's the third time. And uh, just a super cool festival to be a part of and, um, you know, to look around and see the names on the on the beer stands, you know, uh, have them be all Belgian beers. And then over Allagash over in the corner is kind of fun to see. Yeah, cool, man. Um, how did the Night of the Great Thirst start? So there's, so there's, a big, started, there's a big story uh, behind it, right? Yeah, the tradition uh, behind it, and of course the organizer can speak to it a lot better than me, but my understanding is that um, it was kind of a, a response uh, to some legislation that was going that was being proposed in Belgium that was going to uh, basically enforce some new restrictions upon Lambic breweries. You know, Lambic breweries are you know, doing spontaneous fermentation and open fermentation, not open fermentation, but open cooling. Um, and the, there was a food safety act of some kind that was coming about that would mean that these breweries would have to change their practices, change the way they, um, you know, the areas around their cool ship, which is, a, of course, a very vital part of that process. Um, and so it was kind of a rebellion, if you will, against that. And so it was designed to raise some money against it and band the brewers together and have them, um, you know, be like one force kind of thing. Um, so that, that was kind of the original impetus behind it. Um, there's also a small cafe in the same town called Insurance Against the Great Thirst, which is a teeny little cafe that's only open on Sundays uh, for a few hours um, that has an incredible Lambic selection as well. And it's the owners of that pub, that family who started the festival. 
That's great, man. Tell us a little bit about the, the different styles of sour beers and, and what you guys in particular make at Allagash. Because I've heard so many stories. There's sour mashing. There's wild fermentation. You know, what, What's the difference between them? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, there's a long answer to that question. I mean, it's complicated. Uh, we at Allagash do lots, lots of different styles of wild beers, and we, we tend to kind of group them into 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 that description wild beers not necessarily sour beers because um that is certainly a component in some of the beers that we make um some acidity that adds to palatability and adds some interesting flavor to the beer but there's also beers that are say just pretanomyces focused beers that i would not call sour but are very much still you know unconventional in the grand scheme of the brewing world so the way we often describe it is anything that we call wild, a wild beer would be uh, anything that has something other than brewer's yeast, traditional Saccharomyces yeast in it. Um, it might have Saccharomyces brewer's yeast in it, but it has something else, whether it's um, spontaneous fermentation, whether it's um, the addition, uh, intentional addition of Britannomyces or lactobacillus or other lactic acid bacteria, or wild yeasts on the skins of fruit, so on. Um, any one or uh, one of those things can be added. And, you know, I also look at it as, you know, as a brewer, you know, you're always looking for, you know, your toolbox, if you will, of ways to create interesting flavors. And, you know, using um, stuff like Britannomyces and lactic acid bacteria and barrels um, is just another way to, you know, another tool that we can use to create interesting beers. So it's quite it's quite a wide range of techniques for making those kind of beers. And then tell us about your cool ship beers because no one in New York gets to get your cool ship beers. Apparently, you have <laughs> to go to the brewery in Portland, Maine. Yeah, we uh, that's that's at this point that's strictly a volume issue. I mean, we just can't we just don't make very much of it, and so um, those beers are only available at the brewery, and we release them, and within a you know a few days or maybe a week. They're gone until the next one gets released. But, um, but the idea with that, with those beers, was uh, you know we started this project in 2007. We'd always been big fans of of, of lambic beers, spontaneously fermented beers, and um, you know we weren't necessarily trying to make a lambic clone or anything like that. We were just kind of curious. You know, the traditional the traditional kind of mindset was you couldn't make these kind of spontaneously fermented beers. Uh, well, anywhere outside of the Seine Valley in Brussels, so you know within a short, you know square mile area around Brussels, and that's you know that's where you know the great uh, you know lambic breweries of the world, Cantillon, Dry Fontaine, and Bone, etc., are all in that area. Um, but we were kind of curious, you know, is, is this true, uh, and, and could we could we in Portland, Maine, produce the same, you know? beers in the same fashion in the spontaneous tradition and so we it started really as an experiment and we invested a bunch of time and money into something that might not have ever done anything we we really didn't know there's no way of knowing until we we really went through the process and um we were pleasantly surprised when in fact these beers came out very nice and you know we've made some modifications over the years but um you know these beers are made um 100% spontaneously, and that's kind of a funny term, but basically what it means is we 
we do not pitch any yeast. We do not add any cultured yeast. We all of the inoculation uh, of any kind of uh, yeast or bacteria is done naturally uh, in the cooling uh, in the cooling vessel on the cool ship. Nico, uh, do you think that the wild beer can be as big as the IPA? Because uh, I was actually reading something on the Times today. Uh, Eric Asimov wrote about his love for Peak Skills Simple Sour, and I was actually surprised yeah. that he dedicated a whole article to you know spontaneous fermentation. Huh, that's that's interesting. Um, that's a great beer, by the way. I yeah, I love say. it. Jeff's doing some great stuff up there, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's just it's hard to do anything uh, on the scale that IPA is doing, um, and I think it's got, you know, maybe a little bit more mass marketing appeal, maybe. But you know, another thing that's, that is restrictive to making a lot of these beers is time, you know, uh, and space. You know, especially a beer is made in spontaneous fashion, or some of the long-term aging beers. You know, you're talking a year, two years, sometimes more, um, to create these beers, and so. Um, that's limiting in terms of volume, but um, I think that there's uh, there, the interest in these beers will inevitably grow. It's and you know as long as brewers are still making them well, and I think luckily there's there's a bunch of brewers who are making it well. Unfortunately, there's some, in my opinion, who aren't. But uh, for the most part, um, there's some really nice beers out there, and that that I would put in that wild beer, sour beer category. Um, so I think. I think it'll continue to grow at a pretty rapid rate. Um, as big as IPA, that's that's a tall order. PR, uh, the Shelton Brothers, I know you've been to the festival the night of the great thirst, and you represent some of the great Lambics. Um, you want to say anything about what these beers are like or what they mean to you guys? I mean, we've, we've always enjoyed them. Our first beer that we brought in uh, when Shelton Brothers started was Cantillon Goose. Uh, took a very, very long time to sell the container load of beer, which now goes in just a flash. Um, but we've always enjoyed the traditionality of it um, and the fact that it's something like a lot of beers back in the day would have had some element of wild beer character because people didn't know what yeast was. They didn't know necessarily how it worked. Things were being barrel-aged or you know, barrel-conditioned. Uh, so you're also getting the bacteria from the wood. So essentially, you know, prior to, to Pasteur's discovery, and even following that when people really weren't good about sanitation you know there would have been some element of funkiness depending on how old the beer was you know younger beer obviously it wouldn't have had a chance to really grow but you know it's a style of beer there's just so much complexity going on uh, especially when it's done right um, in terms of the flavors the aromas um, they're great beers for pairing with food they're great for sipping on their own um, i love them personally but well, it seems like every brewery i know now is doing some kind of sour beer whether it's single cut has a, has a, has a kim they're doing sour mashing and it's it's mind-blogging for me. I always thought that people wanted to separate. They only want to do sour beers in one brewery and, and you know, non-sour beers in another. I mean, Jason, you want to talk about that? I mean, how do you guys do your program? I mean, do you have any sour beers in the same brewery? Is he gone? Jason's gone. All right. But we, well, yeah, usually people did want to keep it separate, um, would be very scared of having, you know, a, a wild yeast strain possibly contaminating their IPA or, you know, their... There are other beers. Um, but, you know, with, with good sanitation practices and yeast management, it's really not been an issue. Hey, Jason? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just saying, um, t- tell us, how, how do you keep a you – have, you have a brewery going and you're, you're also doing the cool ship. So how, how do you, uh, you know, keep the system separate or, you know – because I'm just surprised that so many more breweries are actually making 
you know, some type of sour beer. I, I know some have like a dedicated fermenter or something. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we work pretty hard to keep things separate and clean. You know, I think a lot of brewers are are nervous about about mixing it, and it's valid. It's a very valid thing to be nervous about. I mean, the kind of irony of it is, you know, the microbes that, and you know, the little back the little uh, organisms that we're using intentionally or creating an environment for. In the case of spontaneous beer, those exact organisms are the exact ones that ninety nine plus percent of the breweries in the world do everything they can to keep out of their beer. Um, you know, beer is actually not a very hospitable environment for most microbes, which is a good thing, so we don't have to worry about the things that people make in milk and yogurt and chicken and stuff like that have to worry about, you know, stuff that actually can hurt people. Um, but the other side of that coin is the stuff that can live in beer is very resilient and, and kind of want, wants to be in that environment and is, and is therefore around. So, you know, breweries all over the world are their labs are working hard to keep keep out Britannomyces and Pediococcus and Lactobacillus. Um, and we're here we are intentionally adding them to the beer. Um, so you have to be very careful. We have um, separate, a lot of our equipment is separate. We have separate hoses, gaskets, valves. Um, we have a separate bottling line that we use. Um, tanks we share, but... Tanks, stainless steel is pretty easy to clean. Uh, it's the porous material, gasket material. It's a little harder. Um, but the other thing I think it's important for all brewers to know, I mean, it's just good sanitary practice. If you're following good sanitary practice, you're going to be in pretty good shape because in reality, um, even at the cleanest brewery in the world that doesn't do wild production, there is still somewhere in that atmosphere Pediococcus, Lactobacillus, and Brett. It's kind of, it's around. Um, and so, even if you're not making these beers, if you're not following good practice, you're going to see that stuff anyway. Um, we have to be even more vigilant because there's a lot more of it around, and it's going through some shared equipment. So um, we have pretty vigorous procedures that kind of only our senior um, brewers are kind of authorized to be handling those beers just to be, uh, you know, extra safe. It's kind of the last piece of your Brewery training is wild beer handling, um, just because it's, it's something we we take pretty seriously. Jason, th- thanks so much for calling in. One last plug: tell us what's going on at uh, Allagash this summer. Should we come and visit you? Yeah, for sure, uh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, coming to visit Maine in the summer is you can't beat that in general. But uh, you know, we've got a new uh, tasting room that we opened up last uh, early last summer, but really kind of got up to speed in the off season. Um, you know, we got a new program. We're doing some tasting in the barrel room as well on tours. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Come up and see us. There's lots going on up in Portland. And there's, you know, the other thing I'll mention is not just Allagash. I mean, we're lucky, like a lot of part of the country, that we've got a bunch of new breweries open, some guys doing some really good stuff. Some of the folks have just been around for a short period of time. So it um, seems like every month, passes and we've we've got a couple of interesting breweries opening up so good place to visit for sure awesome all right jason thanks for coming on we're taking a short break we'll be back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio all right
So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the Internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit GreatBrewers.com today. Right. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, we've got a great show. We uh, just spoke with Jason Perkins from Allagash on the phone. We're talking about, uh, you know, sour beers and all that stuff. And most of all, it was pretty interesting, this night of the great thirst in Belgium that actually the, the government was considering shutting down certain uh, Lambic breweries. And funny thing, again, over here, everybody in America is trying to make sour beers and Lambic beers and all that. So... Uh, that was a good talk. Jason Perkins, thanks again for calling in. The other story today, we've got uh, the new cool brewers from uh, Navarra in Spain. If you haven't been to Navarra, it's somewhere in, in Spain. And uh, we've got two of the brewers, uh, Juan and Alfredo, and, and Sven Bosch is going is to talk for them. So tell us a little bit about uh, Napa Beer, where the name came from, and uh, you know, just a little more about the identity of the yeah. brewery. Well, uh, we started five years ago. Uh, Napak beer uh, is t- the two words. Napak means uh, Navarra, but in the Basque language. And then beer, we put it in, in German because uh, we, we have good friends in Germany. So we thought, okay, let's uh, do both uh, names together. And, uh, well, uh, when we started, that was only with two beers, uh, with a Pilsner beer and a Dunkel. Uh, we still... Uh, brew the, the pills, we stop it with the Dunkel, and now we have a range of about 14 different beers uh, from IPAs, uh, Saisons, Bali Wines. Uh, well, now we are starting also aging beers in wood, in oak uh, barrels, and uh, whiskey bars, wine bars. So, just looking for something different. No? Yeah. So, man, how about let's have uh, Juan and Alfredo say hello yeah. in Spanish. Say a few words. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hola. Say your name. Um, My name is Alfredo. Um, and do you have any, anything you want to say in Spanish? In Spanish, uh, Alfredo. Juan. Hi. I'm, uh, My name is, is Juan, and uh, I am a Hebrew in, in Napoleon. So, so let's talk about Spanish beer. We, 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 we've met a few. I know Sheldon Brothers, you guys have a couple, don't you? What, what are some of the other Spanish beers you have? Uh, we have, I guess, I think there's about uh, four or five right now. Uh, aside from Napar, uh, we've got uh, Del Monseni. Um, we also have Aguillon, uh, as well as uh, Guino, which I'm probably massacring the pronunciation because I only speak French. Oh, you good. <laughs> <laughs> but you said, was it Monse? You, you told me that one of the Spanish breweries has a sour beer because we were talking earlier yeah, today about yeah, exactly. other sour yeah, beers that can bring in. Yeah, yeah they, they've got a, it's an English pale ale that's been aged for one year in uh, French oak barrels. So it's a very, it's, it's sort of a, I, want, I almost call, call it a sour with training wheels in that it's approachable. It's not, you know, a super one-dimensional acetic bomb, uh, but it's also something that's there's complexity enough for people who like sours to, to enjoy that. But most of our Spanish brewers are doing more along the more traditional lines on some barrel aging. 
So what, what was there before, you know, 20 years ago? What were the beers you could get in Spain? Well, 20 years ago in Spain, it was really bored for us because uh, uh, we had only industrial beers, like uh, the big uh, breweries, and then beers, few beers from Belgium. Uh, but the last four years, four or five years, the beer scene in, in Spain has changed a lot. And most of all, the two last past years. And uh, now I, I think that there are more than 150 breweries, new breweries in Spain. Uh, yes, the style is really traditional, uh, pale ales, IPAs, uh, stouts, just beginning with some stouts, really interesting stouts, and uh, then saisons, that's uh, some of the, uh, the our favorite style that we that we brew in Napa Beer, no? uh, and yeah, the people is also changing, no? because uh, you know that Spain is a wine country, it's uh, really difficult to, to to fight against the, the the wine, but we are doing our best. And uh, I think, yeah, yeah, the last years has changed a lot. People in Europe uh, is looking after the, the Spanish beers. That was something that uh, five years ago was uh, <laughs> impossible. And uh, well, going, uh, yeah. we are doing our best. Well, we tried some other, our friends from Iberian Beer United. They were importing uh, the Giesburger. You know, Giesburger, yeah, uh, Lanjub, Lanjub, yeah, and uh, Zagra, Zagra, yeah. So, th- are those are those comparable to you, or are you smaller than them? Uh, no, I think that uh, we're really far from each other. So, uh, they do the their best in uh, Lanjub is from Tarragona in Catalonia. We are in the País Basque. Zagra is in the in the center of Spain in uh, Toledo, and uh, well. Uh, they are doing their best also. Uh, even Lajub did some collaboration brews with uh, Brian from Stillwater. Uh, this year we have done five collaborations uh, with uh, people like Mick Keller, uh, Nogno, uh, Enbrigerit, uh, also Lervik, and uh, Beavertown uh, in, from England. And that's what we are doing now, so... So, uh, how do you get to be so international? I mean, you've you got to make beers with McKellar. Everyone knows McKellar, Nognio. You know, you're, you're in the states now. So, what are you doing here? You're you're, you're doing collaborations in America. Yeah. Now. Yeah. With uh, four breweries. Uh, first, we start with uh, Pretty Things. Uh, then with uh, Cambridge. Then with Oxbow, and uh, Weibacher. Yeah, and uh, BR is is that part of what you guys do as importers? I mean, do you introduce them to other breweries or that's just kind of what's going on in it's the more it's usually the brewers who make who who you know talk amongst themselves um it's not something that we try to like market and plan um mostly it's you know they, they meet up at festivals uh, you know get in touch with each other of like, oh i had your beer this is follows along my philosophy i mean it's perfect you know the, the napa brews this really nice size saison so they're going to be brewing a saison with oxbow who also does you know fantastic saisons um you know, we, we might put brewers in touch with each, with each other if one says, you know, I, I really like so-and-so's beer. Um, both American brewers will put in touch with our European brewers and vice versa. Um, but in general, yeah, it's something between the brewers that happens. Do you think, I, I'd like to ask Juan, and you can translate to him. Ask him, you know, what is philosophy of, of beers? What is tu filosofía sobre la cerveza? Spanish? Yeah, Spanish, he'll translate. Uh, me gusta hacer cervezas que me... Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Principalmente me gusta hacer cervezas que yo las querría beber, ¿no? 
sea, me gusta hacer cosas que, que las pruebo y me gustan y hago mi propio concepto sobre el estilo y la, y la, rep, la repito en una receta o la elaboramos ¿no? en la parrilla. Y sí que entendemos que tienen que ser cervezas que se tienen que beber fácil, que las tienes que acabar, no, no pueden ser cervezas que, que cueste mucho beber o, y la gente se la haga un poco pesada, ¿no? sino que disfrute de esa cerveza y sea fácil de beber. Yeah. So what he says is that uh, he looks for, for brewing beers that he wants to drink. Uh, so he, he looks always after an easy drinkable beer. Uh, we don't want uh, extreme beers, but we want that the people who drink our beers just enjoy it. And uh, that's the way that we, all our beers are really, like it is, uh, low alcohol beers, 6-7%. Uh, we have two uh, strong beers, that's the Hot Doom and the Pumpkin Jack, with 11% uh, alcohol. But the, the other beers are really easy, because we want that all the people can enjoy that beer. And then w w tell us a little bit about the, the Napa Pills. Yeah, uh, Napa Pills, that's the first beer that we, we brewed uh, five years ago. Uh, it's no, no pasteurization, so uh, unfiltered. Uh, it's a style more like in, in Germany and in, in Czech. Uh, it's uh, really pills fresh. Uh, what we want is that people can drink again a pills so as it has to be not an industrial pills that's for only watery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what's what's the next beer that we just got? The next beer is the Saison. Saison Saint Saison is a, a beer that we just launched uh, two years ago. It's made with uh, citrix, uh, with uh, peel, orange peel, lemon peel, and lime peel. Uh, what we want is a, a citrus taste for the beer. And uh, we use um, Saison yeast from France. Uh, and then what, what was, uh, six, 7% alcohol, 7% alcohol. And uh, I think this is really refreshing for, for summer also, but you can do it all year round if you, if you want. So. Nico, is it your first time tasting the Napa beers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just curious, are there any styles native to Spain or? No, 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 no. Uh, This, this we cannot talk about Spanish style beer. Uh, Spain, uh, uh, there are many breweries, but it's always on the German style or Czech style uh, or Belgian style. Huh? And we brew the beers that we want to drink. So that's yeah. what we do there. You might can you ask Alfredo something too? Can he say a few words? So, tell us about what, what it's like for him being a brewer in Spain. He can speak in Spanish. ¿Qué se parece a ti el ser fabricante de cerveza en España? Me parece una forma de crear una cultura y intentar demostrar a la gente que no solo puedes beber cervezas buenas fuera de fuera de Europa o traerlas de Estados Unidos y es un honor para mí poder producir algo tan bueno como lo que hacemos nosotros y poder llegar hasta aquí o salir de, de España como con el producto que hacemos. So, what he says is that it's kind of like uh, the BBC, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, he is brewer because uh, he, he wants to, to to know to people that in Spain there's also uh, good brewers. 
because our, when we want, uh, when we look for some beers, we have to buy beers from Europe or from uh, the States, because in Spain we didn't find that beers. But now what we are doing is that uh, people discover that also in Spain are good beers. That's that's for him a, a pleasure for beer being brewer there. No, it's beautiful. I like this beer and culture thing. It's nice. So you're here in New York, and mm-hmm. I, you must be how many. Bars, restaurants, bottle shops. Have you guys been to in one day? In one day, well, I think maybe in eight, nine bars. Yeah, we start early in the morning. They're smiling. That's <laughs> and we we are doing our best. Yeah, yeah. Beer, which places did you take them today in New York City? We tried since they were only here uh, for for today. Tomorrow they head up to Massachusetts, so you know, kind of real whirlwind tour. But wanted to hit representations of different places in New York. So we went to some Spanish places, uh, Donostia, a new place in the East Village that has their beers, and thought we'd meet for coffee at eleven a.m. And they've already gotten their beer and their vermouth. Um, and then we hit up uh, some beer bars, the Jeffrey, uh, some bottle shops, uh, beer table pantry uh, out in this neighborhood, Hops and Hawks, and the Sampler. Um, I can't remember where else now, but you know, just a range of like the the bottle shops and growler shops, restaurants, beer bars. Kind of and if you're listening live, they'll be tonight at Jimmy's number forty three at seven o'clock. We're doing a cheese tasting too, so you can taste American cheeses. And uh, we have we have the uh, the ZZ Amber on draft tonight. I think we have this saison and the Napa Pills. I believe so. Yeah, and then uh, it's a nice lineup. Once uh, as they re- re- before they head head back to Spain. Uh, on Saturday the seventh in the afternoon, we'll be at Spite and Dival with some more some more drafts. We might even put an Oxbow. We have an Oxbow farmhouse out too. They might be on tonight. So, should we expect all those collaborations that they're doing now, like probably within the next month or so? I suppose we'll have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what, for for these guys, uh, Sven, what, what is it like coming to America and and seeing the beer community? Well, uh, some years ago. We we can only read about the American beer scene. Now we are here. We are joined with people, lots of friends, and uh, well, I don't think that this this will be the last uh, trip to to the states. Uh, I think that maybe next year we will come back again and uh, to join with with uh, with the brewers and, uh, and and do what we want, what we love. That's that's brewing. All right. How do we say cheers in, in Spanish? Salud. Oh, salute. That's salute. an easy one. Salute. <laughs> easy enough. All right. Hey, we'll take another yeah, break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey, 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 
Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Roger at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We're going to sit down and have a little food, including the pizza. And then we're off to Jimmy's number 43 for a, a cheese tasting and uh, we'll try some of the Napa beers. So uh, this is a great place, uh, heritageradionetwork.org. I highly recommend Go online and become a member. I think these days there's a sliding scale. There's many ways you can join. But just know you're supporting the, the up-and-coming uh, Great Food Radio Network. There's over 30 shows right now, and uh, we're very proud to be. I think we have the most shows, most episodes so far, Beer Sessions Radio. So, of course, people like beer the most, and uh, I like beer. So we've got some great guests here tonight. We've got Napa Beer from Spain, BR from Shelton Brothers, Nico Kremitis, a great beer writer who's also working on the Craft Beer New York app. So, hey, uh, Sven, you're the importer for the guys from Napa Beer. You're also their translator. And I know they, they understand me. I understand them. But uh, you have to speak in English for them. So <laughs> tell, us what, tell us about how did you become like this importer guy for, for this brewery in Spain? Well, uh, I, when I met uh, Napa Beer, that was uh, two, three years ago. Uh, well... I, I own a bar in, in Spain, and I started well with with the beer from Napa Beer, and uh, uh, that was a good uh, relationship. And uh, well, uh, last year they called me and they say, "Do you want to be partner of, of Napa Beer?" I say, "Yeah, of course." I, I didn't thought about it, so I said, "Yeah." And uh, well, now we are six people. When the beer we started five years ago, there were only three, and uh, well. Uh, we have changed the, the brewery now uh, for the third time in five years. Now we uh, the, the brew house is from 30 hectares, and uh, well, that's that's what we are doing. You know? uh, we have two brewers, that's Juan and Alfredo. Then we have Josu. Josu is the the manager. Then we have uh, Javier. He's helping me in the brewery. Then uh, Alex is he lives in Madrid. But uh, he helps us with the brewery also, and then I, I live in Barcelona, but I do my job with, with the marketing and the, and the export. So where, where do you sell the beer? We sell the beer in uh, Norway, Denmark, Holland, uh, France, and, uh, and in the States. And now we're starting also in England. We start also in Italy and in Brazil. And then do, do people in Spain buy the beer too? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we have also uh, part in the, in the beer market in, in Spain, uh, in Barcelona, Madrid, and in the th- south of Spain. And are you selling more beer in Spain or for export? No, for export, yeah. yeah. Beer, what, what is it about that? I mean, is, uh, we see a lot of small breweries like this. Uh, it, it, w- is this what's going on in the world? I mean, is this export specialty craft beer? It, it you know it really depends on the country and the brewery. Uh, for some of the countries that we we import beer from, um, yeah, we sell more here than than they do in their own country. Uh, simply, maybe there's just not a beer culture in place. Um, you know, notably, especially for the the Spanish and the French beers, where there's such a culture of wine that it's very hard unless you're you know living near the brewery, if you're in the town near the brewery, or you're in a city like Barcelona or somewhere that has a good beer bar where people are getting into it. Um, it can be very hard to make that, that transition from beer to wine in a, in a culture where everyone's been for hundreds of years just because of the land, because they could only grow grapes and not grain and hops, where you know wine's been dominating for a 1,000 years. So yeah. we have a few years to go before beer takes over. So then I asked Alfredo and, and Juan, so when did they first start making beers? Were they home brewers? Were they doing it as a job? Yeah, uh, Juan was a uh, home brewer. Uh, for maybe 10 years before ten years. The, the brewery. Yeah, 10 years, uh, home brewer. 
and then he started with the brewery. And uh, Alfredo as home brewer for two years, no? more or less, yeah. Yeah. And how did, how did Juan first get introduced to home brewing? Tengo familia en, en Alemania, en German, y empecé allí a hacer a conocer un poco la cerveza. Y cuando volví a, otra vez de vacaciones de allí, pues empecé a elaborar cerveza en casa. Y, yeah, so y family in Germany. Then uh, each year he traveled uh, to, to Germany and he, he met people drinking beers, enjoying beers. And then when he came back to Spain, he said, okay, let's try to introduce me myself in, in the home brewing. Uh, cool. Any questions, Nico? Do you uh, do you see? I wanted to kind of, I guess, touch back on the international scope. Like, do you see a lot of countries starting to get into beer um, that were previously, you know, for hundreds of years, just just wine? Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's it's a slow going, especially for the southern countries. We find. I mean, Italy. It's especially in northern Italy. You know, there's been they're they're brewing a lot of different styles with just you know really different ingredients they're not doing traditional styles so i think that's more in some ways it's less beer like and just more of a beverage um but yeah for for france and spain in particular uh it's, it's an uphill battle even in in the states you know we'll, we'll approach uh french restaurants spanish restaurants and especially the old school ones if uh, they just think oh no no it's beer it's uh, you know I've, i've got the light lager that's enough or it's uh, oh no that's you know the peasants drink wine or drink beer you know we're classy we have wine um We do much better, actually, in, in American restaurants. We're much more forward-thinking in terms of, of their beverage program. Um, but in, in, you know, in terms of the countries themselves, it's, 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 it's getting better. It's just, I think it, it just takes a while to change perceptions of that. And also, you know, Paris, for example, has until recently had pretty much no beer bars that weren't just the giant you know, Belgian imports. You know, to get a local beer in a Parisian restaurant or bar was next to impossible. Now you're finding that, but that's only been in like the past two, three years. So, th are there any, any beer festivals in Spain? Is it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last years, uh, there are m many beer fests. There's one in uh, Barcelona, the Barcelona Beer Fest, uh, in Madrid. Uh, then, uh, by Carlos from Magullons, uh, the beer festival from Mediona. Uh, each summer, uh, that's, uh, well, I think about 50, 60 breweries there. Then another beer, uh, beer fest is in uh, Catalonia, in Blanes. Uh, also beer fest with uh, not only Spanish beers, but also with uh, beers from uh, from Italy or from uh, Holland or Belgium. So, and uh, yeah, uh, and then little local uh, beer fest, uh, maybe with 10, 15 breweries. Yeah. Do they have any secret ingredients? That's uh, one. Them. What's a secret some ingredient in the say saison? ¿Cuál es el secreto de la de la o el ingrediente? No, es 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 very simple. Es es brewed with uh, orange and lemon peel, but uh, it's a fresh orange and lemon peel. Uh, and the French saison, uh, o sea, French yeast, French yeast. I don't know. It's, 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 so you're not afraid to tell your secrets. Uh, the, the secret is that there's one person there peeling the orange and the lemon for yeah, one day. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. The one thing they have is also... They, uh, yeah, what, do, what do they call that guy's job? That's <laughs> job. This. What's the other guy's job? Then we're getting dirty. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's <pretty> hot. <laughs> 
But I was, want to point out that, that we've recently they've recently changed the artist for their label. So if you can see the the, the Pilsner is a very simple, sunny looking label, and then the Saison has got the vulture on it, and they've got a, now doing the guy doing great label art. Uh, you say he's from the south? I think? Yeah, from uh, from Malaga, from the south of Spain. His name is Antonio Bravo. And uh, he's a really good artist, so uh, when we call him, uh, we need a label for a new beer. Okay, well, what style of beer is it? Well, it's his own IPA. Okay, I will do some draws and I will show it to you uh, maybe tomorrow. But no, uh, one, one hour later, he called us and said, okay, it's done. So uh, and you can see that it's great, great job. You guys have a cool team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have. <laughs> I like when you speak in English, too, Juan. I am learning in this moment English. <laughs> what do you guys think of New York? Because I know it's your first time here. What do you think of it? Oh, well, it's great. Uh, we have met so many people and friends here. Uh, people is very friendly with us. Uh, we go to a bar and, and in two minutes we, we are talking with other people. And uh, even when you go, you see all the tap rooms that they have. And uh, wow, it's, it's just uh, really cool, yeah. Here's a question. So, and and the brewery is in Navarra. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a tasting room? Can people go there and taste beer too? Uh, not 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 at this moment. Uh, we are doing it, uh, but I think maybe after summer it will be ready. Yeah. So if if people were tasting your beer, what would be some foods that you would want to eat with them? Well, we are in Spain. We have uh, good cheese. We have good jamón, uh, uh, the, the, the ham, the Spanish ham. And then, uh, well, you can eat seafood, you can eat uh, good meat uh, or beers. Poor, really good with, with all that. So you, you know? just eat your regular food and you yeah, yeah, yeah. like beer with it. Yeah. I like beer with food, too. Yes. That's what we're going to do tonight. We've got some cheeses, American cheeses coming up. And we're going to drink them with the Napa beer tonight which is going to be fun. And you can tell us what you like better and what you don't. Okay, yeah, of course. And uh, what about for you, Nico? You're this Craft Beer New York app. Do you guys ever talk about food and beer pairings? Or it's more focused on just the bars and the breweries? It's, it's more focused on the, on the beer pairings. But speaking of you know, beer and food, I know that you wanted to touch on the uh, collaboration with Great South Bay. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm brewing a, uh, a tzatziki-style, I guess a Greek-style Berliner Weiss with uh, Great South Bay with fresh cucumbers. Uh, probably in the next month, so we're hoping to do a release party at Jimmy's number forty-three for that. So, have you made it yet? Or, or no, we're uh, we're going to be brewing it probably in the next week or two. So, so we have time; we can plan that out. Yeah, yeah, we have time. But how, how did you envision the recipe with the fresh cucumbers? Uh, I don't know. I, I went to Great South Bay just to kind of you know talk shop with the guys, and uh, one thing led to another. You know, after a few drinks, and we decided to uh, do yeah to brew something and. Uh, Nico Weiss was born. And you're also the, the columnist for Yankee Brew News. Yeah, Yankee Brew News uh, and Long Island Pulse as well. So what, what's going on in, in the next couple of months in New York City beer scene? Um, well, I wanted to tie in also to uh, you know, how we were talking about wild beers uh, and just give a shout-out to Transmitter Brewing. I think they were on the show uh, recently, and yep. they do all their beers fermented with Brett. Uh, they just opened in Long Island City. That's great. I actually had a. I'm going to shout out for a friend too. Uh, Patty Jackson opened up the old egg space. If you go to Williamsburg in Brooklyn, uh, 135 North Fifth Street, it's called Delaware and Hudson. She's doing great American food, and, and she's actually carrying transmitter right now. Oh, great! So she's right, doing I'll wines, but she wants large format bottles, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that out and uh, get it in the app. Yeah, that's good. Beer, anything else you want to say about Napa beer? 
I mean, it's quite a tour. They're they're visiting Oxbow, Cambridge, Pretty Things, and Wirebacker. Yeah, yeah, and then they'll be uh, down in Philadelphia for I think one night for Philly Beer Week, which starts I guess next week. I think it does. Uh, so what kind of beer are they going to make at Wirebacker? Because they make great IPAs. They're making an IPA. Oh yeah, naturally. All right. Double IPA. Yeah. And Pretty Things is double IPA uh, with uh, Oxbow is uh, a saison. Uh, and Farmosa and with Cambridge uh, is the same Farmosa Saison but it is the, the difference is uh, much acid or than a normal Saison yeah and what about more sour. what about pretty yeah. things so what are you making at pretty things uh, pretty things Pretty Things is a double APA. It's the first double APA uh, in for them. Pretty Things. Yeah. Nice. Do you think that the Spanish people would like the double IPA, like the really hoppy beers? Are they ready for that? Yeah. Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. Because, um, you, you, you know, that uh, hops uh, give really fresh taste for the beer. And Spain is a really warm country. It's really hot in summer. And, uh, yeah. People prefer an IPA, a double IPA, instead of a stout or imperial stout. First, selling stouts is uh, really difficult in Spain, but the IPAs and double IPAs are best sellers. All right. So if it's if it's hot out, I should drink hoppy beer. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Although we will be having a stout from them arriving very shortly. The the pumpkin czar. Pumpkin czar. Yeah, it's an imperial stout made with a pumpkin and a chili habanero. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, this is an interesting show. We, we, we spoke by phone to uh, Jason Perkins in uh, Maine, and we spoke through a translator <laughs> with our, our, our new best friends from Spain, and uh, we got an app working on it. I don't know. Who wants to sum up this show? This is a pretty good one. We have so much fun doing this show. International. I'll tell you, it was international. To Spain. We, and uh, Allagash to, to Spain, and uh, this is pretty cool. I'd like to thank everybody. I have to say, this, this show is pretty great. Um, we've got to meet so many people from, from different countries and different states, and uh, it does show what Heritage Radio Network can do. I think most of our listeners are actually from other countries and other states, and uh, there's a great reach, and it's, it's a really uh, great network to be members of. Um, a couple of shout-outs. Uh, we've got the Napa Beer Tasting tonight. Uh, Jimmy's number 43. I don't know if I went dead. Am I still alive? And... Um, Coming up also next week, there's a very special event in New York, the New York Rare Beer Festival. Uh, it's with Taste New York and the New York State Brewers Association. There's over 26 brewers uh, from New York State serving their, their most rare beers. And you can go to the brooklynbrewery.com website. It's, it's, it's neat. New York is stepping up its game. There's some cool events. Some uh, brewers like Southern Tier, Big Alice, Keegan, Crossroads, Browns, and Peekskills, for example, We'll have some very rare, unusual beers you don't get to see in New York, and that's next Thursday. So go check it out on the brooklynbrewery.com website under events, uh, the New York Rare Beer Festival on June 5th. We'll be there. It's going to be a great night. And uh, thanks to everybody for, for coming on tonight. Thanks to our sponsors at greatbrewers.com for helping to bring this podcast to you. Thanks to Juan, Alfredo, Zvan, BR, Nico, and Jason for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden, Justin Kennedy, and engineer Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.